from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Women at Work on Business Radio. Here is your host, Laura Zarrow. Welcome to Women at Work and our ongoing conversation about how we can get more women to join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics for today's show on an innovative business and long overdue women's empowerment movement. When front pages around the world heralded the news that women in Saudi Arabia would finally be allowed to drive, it reminded all of us about how being behind the wheel of the car is integral to our economic independence and our personal safety. As Americans, we take this for granted. We've enjoyed these rights for a long time. And we also live in a culture where adventure, freedom, status, and even the designation of the soccer mom is inseparable from the automobile. I find it terribly ironic, then, that most women, including me, I have to confess, leave the care and maintenance to these cars that give us all this independence to the men in our lives. Today's guest is the creative and powerful force behind an unusual and long overdue women's empowerment movement that takes on this very issue. This movement is about to spread thanks to an easy-to-read and well-illustrated manual. It encourages women to take a look under our own hoods, so to speak, whether it's alone with a flashlight or in small groups led by an already woke woman, teaching us to locate and name our hidden parts, understand how they work, and learn how to take care of them over time. You might think I'm talking about Our Bodies Ourselves, a highly recommended book, by the way, but actually I'm talking about the Girls Auto Clinic Glove Box Guide and the game-changing hashtag SheCanic movement created by today's guest, Patrice Banks. Maintenance and um, mechanic and patron saint of the mantra, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Our phones are open at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And we'd love to have you join the conversation. Whether you want this to be car talk on women at work and ask Patrice a few questions, or get her advice on starting your own business, give us a ring. We'd really love to hear from you. So once again, that's one eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You can also write to us. Um, Julie and Cinnaminson, send it on in. You can reach us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. And also you can follow us on Twitter if you like. Um, and I'm at Laura's Arrow or at Business Radio 1. So Patrice is here in the studio with us today, but I want to give you a little more about her bio before she, we welcome her into the conversation. Once an engineer thriving at DuPont, but a self-proclaimed auto airhead, I'm embarrassed to, you know, connect to that term, um, Patrice became a certified automotive technician and started a business that defies gender stereotypes while encouraging women to feel comfortable about their car repair through support trust and empowerment, she's created a community of she canics. In addition to her award-winning shop girls auto clinic and monthly workshops, she's released this fabulous one-stop do-it-herself guide to auto maintenance, Girls Auto Clinic Glove Box Guide. Um, it empowers us to take control of the wheel so we never feel mistreated, misunderstood, or taken advantage of again. So with that, I'd like to say, Patrice, welcome to Women at Work. Hi, thank you. Wow. I'm over <laughs> here like... Flushing at that intro. It's fabulous. I think the best one I've ever had. <laughs> well, I'm flattered, but you totally deserve it. Oh, thank you. So I want to start. I'll never of, get used to that. So just so you it, know. I it's love okay. It. <laughs> we'll keep it coming. Um, so while you were at DuPont, what made you decide with this thriving career, you had owned a house, you had really kind of had a generational transformation. Yes. Um, what made you decide to go become an auto mechanic? <laughs> you know, I, I tell people I had this wonderful career at DuPont, and I made really good money. 
But uh, I wasn't fulfilled. It was still getting up every day and going to work, hitting snooze on my alarm, <laughs> looking forward to Friday and vacations. And I knew that was no way to live life. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, and I was comfortable there. Um, and I started joining some of these women entrepreneur or executive groups and networking groups. And I realized there's a lot of incredible women out there that own their own businesses and in charge of their own careers. And I was inspired saying, look at what they're doing. I can do this. And so I started trying to find something for me that I thought would be great as an entrepreneur, or a business owner, but that was impactful, that made me feel good about it. I wanted to wake up every morning being excited about going to work. And I never felt that way one day at DuPont. <laughs> right. And, and at this point, how old were you? Uh, about thir- 29, 30 years old. Okay, so young. Yeah. With, and, oh, okay, with, thank you. Yes. And without major <laughs> responsibilities. And right. I, I got to say, like, if there's ever a time in your life where you should heed that bell that's going off exactly. and hear it, like, why stay on a path like, exactly. that's not making you happy every day? Exactly. You know, people say, how did you leave DuPont and go and work for a job? I mean, $600, you know, a week. And I'm like, it was the easiest decision that I made. I couldn't make. I didn't have any kids at the time. I wasn't married. It was just me. I had made a lot of money. I'd saved a lot of money and when is the opportunity to take a chance when I left DuPont so many people were saying to me older people that had worked there I wish I would have done this Um, I I always look back and said that's something I wish I would have done and tried it out when I had the opportunity instead of having your shoulda coulda wouldas you know so I was like let's do it (laughs) okay so your story is not unlike a lot of other people's you even though we should note all the way back you grew up you were the first member of your family to go to college yes Mm-hmm. And it was like the AP program in public high school in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania yes. that got you there? Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm actually, I was the first one to even graduate from high school. And um, I just was always looking for positive outlets. I, I had a rough um, childhood and was one of the, you didn't want to be home. It was very unstable. So instead of going out doing negative things, um, I was always trying to engage in positive activities like school and sports. And that's kind of what saved me. I really, en- I was always curious as a kid. I enjoyed learning. I loved reading. I loved math. Um, I was a nerd. <laughs> but that uh, honestly, that saved saved me because not many other people in my family had the same story. And it clearly propelled you beyond that. So now at this point, you've already gone through an extraordinary life transformation enabled yeah. by education and your own drive and passion. Yes. So kudos to you. Thank you. Um, and you're working. You're successful. Mm-hmm. You're making money. You own your home. This yep. is all big stuff. Yes. Yeah, like 24 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and um, while a lot of people don't figure out how to do that, there mm-hmm. are a lot of people who once anchored in what seems like a secure career say, I want to do something else. Mm-hmm. But how did you move from there to, I'm going to become a mechanic? So I knew that I... I had areas in my life that I was not empowered, even though I was an engineer and I own a house and I have this great career. There's still areas of my life as a woman that I wasn't empowered and my car was one of them. Um, I called myself, you know, an auto airhead. I always felt taken advantage of and that I needed a guy to help me. Um, but I noticed that there were other women in my life the same way. There's other places in our lives we're empowered, but other places we weren't. And so I wanted to start a blog for women that was going to teach them things that we have to ask a man for help and we have to pay a man to do. That, and, those are two great questions. Yes. <laughs> um, and so if any of you out there want to tell us, what do you ask men to help you with? And right. what do you pay a man, man to, to do? do? Right. Our number is one eight four four wharton That's 844-942-7866.
And so as you were blogging and you were yes. getting your own answers So I started at surveying women everywhere. I was at the coffee shop, at work, in the bathrooms. Hey, what do you wish you knew you have to pay a man to do or you have to ask a man for help? Overwhelmingly, I got my car. Mm-hmm. Women said, I feel taken advantage of. I wish I knew more. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel comfortable. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm embarrassed yeah. my battery was dead. My boyfriend came to help Yeah, me. I had to call someone. I'm like, oh my gosh, please pray this away. <laughs> this light will go out next time I turn the car on. Um, and so I started looking for a female mechanic to help me write a blog. I started looking for resources online that would help me write a blog. And I couldn't find a female mechanic. I couldn't find these resources online. And I thought that was incredible because I, I'm sitting here thinking there's so many women out here that need this. So that's when I decided to go back to school to learn how to work on cars because I was going to learn for myself, empower myself, and then share this information with so women it was, and empower So it them. started as a form of lifelong learning for yourself. Exactly. And that you were going to share it through your blog. Uh, yeah. When did this <clears throat> shift into, no, there's a business here? I was talking to my cousin. Um, uh, she's uh, my one of my cousins was like, you know, we have a cousin that's a mechanic and she's a woman. And I said, really? Let, you you got to introduce me to this girl. And I talked with her and she's this really petite, cute girl. And she said, no, her name's Peach to, to, to tell you anything. <laughs> and she said, I always wanted to be a mechanic. My mom's car would break down as a kid. My dad wasn't around and we didn't have money to fix it. So I couldn't get to school. She couldn't get into work. When she became a teenager and she said, I want to be a mechanic, work on cars. She was discouraged by teachers, counselors, Every, people everywhere saying you're too cute you're too petite you're not going to make enough money and I was like no no that's not <laughs> right right me being this woman empowerment women can do anything you know and she said I always wanted to have a shop with a nail salon and I was like let's do it a shop with a nail yeah. salon so that's where the idea came from yes I was okay. like let's do that that's okay. amazing okay because we need to back up yeah because okay. we <laughs> mentioned that you have girls auto clinic but mm-hmm. we haven't talked about its companion business which is clutch Clutch Beauty Bar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I was the wondering where the, the idea mm-hmm. come from. Yeah. So that's, well, it was several things because when I was worked at DuPont, me and my girlfriend would go to the specific Jiffy Lube because there was a nail salon next to it. And we would go at lunch. We'd drop our cars off to get oil changes. And then we'd go get it's our- It's a perfect our, use of time. Yeah. And, and even foreshadowing this was back in 2007 before I even had this idea, I had made it a post on Facebook saying, my car needs an oil change, but I'm going to go get a Manny Petty instead. And I did because I was an auto <laughs> airhead. Right. And of course, the guys are common on my post like this is why women shouldn't drive you know and you're gonna be stuck on the side of the road with a blown engine but the girls were kind of like Alicia look cute you know when she's selling <laughs> it for a ride I mean this this is kind of how it, it people think about women in cars and right. how we think how about we think cars too. exactly that let somebody outsource it and I'll go get my nails done exactly exactly <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with it I'd rather just relax and get my nails done so when you decided to go back to become a trained auto mechanic mm-hmm. You went to community college. Um, no. Well, oh, yeah, actually. Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> a Delaware Technical Community College, not Community College of Philadelphia when you said it. Okay. That's initially what I thought you meant. But you re-entered higher education mm-hmm. at the community college level. Yes. Which offers great vocational training. Absolutely. What was the entrance process like for you? What was it like going back to school? You're now an accomplished yeah, engineer. Yeah, I'm now 30 years old, an engineer, and I'm in class with a bunch of 19-year-old boys. And I tell people I was scared. I was nervous, right? Because... I had never touched a tool in my life. I knew nothing about cars. But the good thing is I was an engineer. So we I couldn't wait to read my book. And I'd be in class with my hand up asking a ton of questions. But as soon as we got out into the garage and we had to actually turn a wrench and learn how to do stuff, I was intimidated. And I felt myself really falling back and, and letting the boys kind of come ahead of me and fix stuff and just sit back and watch. Now, you were an engineer. You, you majored in engineering. Mm-hmm. 
did you have that same experience when you were in college and in high school? No, <laughs> not really, because I had never been in, I guess in high school, no, because I wasn't ever in spaces that was really male dominated. There was a lot okay. of girls and boys in my classes. When I got to Lehigh University for engineering, there wasn't as many girls, I, but I never felt, I didn't feel good enough because I wasn't, because I was a girl. I always felt good enough because I grew up poor. Okay, and that so these was were where kids your had access was. to more education than I did. So I didn't think I was smart enough because I didn't have access to education. But it wasn't about gender. It wasn't about gender, no. But this was the first time it was about gender because I recognized that I was probably had more money than a lot of these kids, but I still felt intimidated, especially with in the automotive industry because there's a lot of um, – of there's kind of like this culture of shaming others that don't know about the industry and just like engineers can kind of be elitist you know uh, technicians and mechanics can be as well well i've often felt like going to the doctor and going to the mechanic are aligned because these are specialists looking at things i don't understand that i really need to keep working you know it's interesting you say that because i i I call your our your technician your primary care technician (laughs) and right do you have a pct and how important that is we need to take our cars to our pct um that's one of the the five things every woman should know about her car and kind of comparing it as a doctor. It's also interesting that um, while we've talked a lot on the show and there's a lot of discussion Mm -hmm. about STEM fields, how underrepresented Mm -hmm. women are, helping women feel more comfortable in them, Mm -hmm. it's kind of important to note that as bad as the numbers are there, Mm -hmm. it makes women look deeply integrated compared to what it's like in auto mechanics. Oh, yeah, less than 2% of mechanics are women, even though we are the number one customer in the automotive industry. We and, do the buying. Yeah, oh, yeah, we do the buying and take it in for the repairs. And there's less than 2% of mechanics and less than 7% sell cars, which I think is insane. Here you have um, women who are dominating this industry financially, but you just don't see us working on these cars, interacting with customers, um, and being in positions of ownership or influence and power. And that's really what I wanted to change because I noticed that as I got in here, this is the root cause. This is why women feel like auto airheads. We're, there's no representation of us in this industry, and that needs to change. That's an incredibly p- important point. Our phones are open, by the way, at one eight four four wharton That's 844-942-7866. This is Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. And I'm your host, Laura Zara. I'm talking with Patrice Banks author of Girls Auto Clinic Glove Box Guide, um, and a certified mechanic herself, (laughs) Um, not to mention this amazing entrepreneur. So if you have car questions for Patrice, and she promises not to mock you, (laughs) to answer you kindly, and as she does in her book, um, really help you understand something that has always seemed um, out of our realm. So give us a call. We'd really love to hear from you. That's 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So as you're entering this environment, Mm -hmm. now an underrepresented group in several ways. Mm -hmm. You already have a college education. Mm -hmm. You're a woman. Mm -hmm. You're at least 30, if not 50 percent older than the people in the room. Yeah. Um, How did you integrate yourself? How did you find your way in that setting? You know, when I found myself kind of feeling intimidated, I had to really catch it and say, Patrice, you are not here for others' opinions. You are here on a mission 
right? You wanted to learn this stuff so you could help other women. And that means you're going to have to mess up. You may look like an idiot, but you know that you're good enough. You're an engineer. Why are you feeling this way? I had to have this pep talk with myself and kind of lean in or sit at the table, like they say, and say, get out of my way. And if you're going to mock me, you're going to make me feel bad. You know, you're not here to help me. You're in my way. And I don't have time for that, you know, and, and looking for the people who want to help me. And there's a ton of people out there who do and not being afraid to really mess up and make a mistake, which often women do. And I had to give myself that pep talk and say, no, that's not what you're going to do. And when people realized that what I was doing and I was on a mission, they were excited. My passion for this got them excited. I couldn't stop raising my hands and wanting to work and try and learn. And I was asking a lot of questions that the guys had. And I was you know, learning a lot of things that they didn't know that they were didn't speak up on. And I quickly became like the number one student and always and people would come to me and be like, Patrice, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? Do you know how to do this, you know, <laughs> quiz? That kind of stuff. So So when when your cousin, Peaches? Peach, yeah. Peach. <clears throat> when Peach had originally expressed interest in this, she mm-hmm. was told too cute, too petite, don't mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. Um, what was the reception for you like at Delaware Valley? Uh it it was Wow! Yes, do this. So um, you were but I with a lot of support. But yeah, but I was a confident at this point. Like wow, I, when she said that to me, you know, and I said, "No, we're going to do this." Let's. And I told people I had. That's when it clicked. Like that is when people say, "When did it click for you?" As soon as she said that to me, and I got this excitement in me and saying, "I don't like people saying no. You couldn't do something like that." I said, I, "We're going to go back to school. We're going to we're going to show people women can do this." <laughs> and I was convinced I'm going to show that women can do this. Right. And I so when. I went in there motivated deep down yeah like I was people were when you have conviction there is no people know and they say okay you know (laughs) and I went right up to the head of the automotive department and I said this is what I want to do and I want to cater to women he goes that's a fabulous idea okay so fabulous credit to him yeah and any anybody I started I started telling everybody this is what I'm doing what do you think how expensive was it a very cheap. That's why I went to community college. Uh, it was because it, uh, it cost you what, like one hundred and fifteen dollars a credit. I'd already been an engineer, so I didn't have to take the communications and English and computer classes. I only had to take the automotive classes. And did you keep working as an engineer while you were enrolled? Mm-hmm. I was going to school at night, and I was working during the day. And there were times I forget a change of clothes. That's actually where my logo came from with the heels and the. Car. Oh, you should check it out. The logo is fantastic. <laughs> I forgot a change of clothes one day uh, from work to uh, school, and I had to I was changing a starter out of a truck in my heat I had on slacks and heels and um it, it was fun that day but I wasn't letting the guys you know learn more than me <laughs> so I got in there with my heels on and I just put a hoodie over so my blouse wouldn't get dirty but it's fun <laughs> it's also um I think it's wonderful not just to hear the story of how you launched into this business where there's no women mm-hmm. and it's so unpredictable, but um, it's an amazing example of how school's always there for you mm-hmm. if you want to go back and find it. Absolutely. And learning, you can do at any stage in life. I don't uh, know why people think as they get older they can't learn a new skill and that's going to make them money that they can excel in even at 50, 60. I mean, that's what keeps you young. And I've always been curious. I always love to learn. So um, you're going to see me doing that. I do that right now as, as an entrepreneur. Part of people who are entrepreneurs love to, you have to love to learn because you're going to be learning. That curiosity <laughs> yeah, is core you to have it. To, you know, you, I don't like not knowing certain things. So I want to <laughs> read books and I want to figure these things out. Um, and I love to problem solve. Um, that's the engineer in me. So, okay, so now let's talk about a little transition into okay. the problem solving. So you're back in school. You're getting really, truly trained. Mm-hmm. 
how did that morph then into building your own business? Did you how you had to have gone to work then in in auto body shops or so I'm at repair school. shops? Yeah. So I'm at school. I know I have this idea. It's I'm going to have a shop. I'm going to hire female mechanics. Right. So you've already and I'm going formulated to, this. So as this a is in my vision. head. Yeah, this is my vision. I'm going to have a shop with female mechanics and a nail salon. Right. And um, and so the next thing I knew that I had to learn outside of school. I knew there was only so much I could learn in school. And I just know that from working, right? You have to have hands-on experience. So I started looking for a place to work I st- and wanted to work for free. I was asking um, shops, right? I'm an engineer. I have all this experience. How can I work for you to learn how to work on cars? And I'll do anything that you need me to do. And it's free. I wanted to uh, be an apprentice. I was turned down by three places, actually. Um, Did they some- tell you why? Yeah. One of them thought I'd take their customers away. Another one's wife didn't want me working in the shop with him. Uh, one of them just didn't think that a woman would be strong enough to work on cars. And the first person to say yes was a guy named Edwin Regis here in Philadelphia. And he has a shop called Guy's Auto Clinic. And I started working there for free, helping him out, learning how to run a shop, learning about cars. He was a really smart technician. And there we first developed the Girls Auto Clinic uh, Car Care Workshop. And I wrote my first book. Mm-hmm. So one question, and then we actually have a call I want okay, to take. Okay, cool. Um, do you, how strong do you have to be to work on cars? Is uh, that an issue? It's not an issue because there's all types of tools now, and there's always been for women uh, to use us to help us with anything. You see more women in manufacturing and things, so that's not the case. That's not an excuse anymore. We just need know-how and the right tools. Exactly. Okay, so Tatiana has a question for you. Tatiana, it's good to hear your voice on the air. What's cooking? Hey, guys. Hi. Um, so I was going to ask you my own car question. About a year ago, I got my timing belt fixed and my check engine light popped on after and I kept going back to the mechanic and he's just like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I had it rechecked by different mechanics and they said it was off a tooth. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, oh, no, like, that's fine. Your car will still run perfectly fine. But now my crankshaft sensor mm-hmm. is off. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what does all that mean? And people are telling me to fix this problem. I'm going to have to pay like the $800 I already paid to get it fixed in the first place. Mm. Can I still drive my car without it falling apart? It's been a year now. It's still good. but. <sighs> and also, can I add, can she drive it and stay safe? So what state are you in? I just want to ask. New Jersey. Okay. And I called Meineke, but they're a franchise, so there's nothing they can do. It's just all this crazy... Okay, these stories, this is like, (laughs) I don't think I have great news for you. Um, uh, It sounds like it is an older car because you got the timing belt probably replaced, not fixed. You usually get that replaced entirely, and it is a very expensive repair, and you do that usually when the car is over 100,000 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, The check engine light came on. You're going to have... the check engine light actually comes on in your car, and people think it because it means something's wrong with your engine, but it actually means you're burning fuel inefficiently. And it could be a, a number of things, and obviously your crankshaft sensor is picking up that something isn't right, and so your engine is burning fuel inefficiently because of this repair, the replacement that this mechanic did that isn't entirely correct. The other people that are telling you that you should fix it are probably right. Um, your car is going to run fine, but you're... you're gonna have your check engine light still be on i don't think you'll be able to pass inspection in new jersey when they do your emissions testing with that on so you'll need to get it fixed eventually and probably the sooner or better now 
the mechanic at the Meineke and stuff, they're probably going to tell you, you know, go kick rocks and we did everything. But that's what um, they basically said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's nothing we can do. It's a franchise. He says there's nothing wrong with it. So they're taking his word from it. They like gave me the runaround, sent me to a different Meineke to yeah. confirm it. it yeah. Um, I, w- you're just going to have to take it someplace else when you have the money to get it fixed the proper way. Um, and they may have to change the timing belt again. And that is going to be the, the same amount of money because they, it, the timing belt is a belt on the inside of the engine. So you have to take a lot of things to get to it. That's why it's so expensive. You have to take a lot of things apart to get to it, unfortunately. And these are the things that happen. Is this the place that you would take your car in all the time? Um, I would go back and forth from Toyota to Meineke, but yeah. it was really expensive to get it done at the dealership. Yes, it is. So I just went somewhere else. I should have listened to my mom. She told me. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because something like this, the timing belt, is very intensive work. And so you want to take it to somebody that you really trust. I would not take a timing belt job to a Meineke. Uh, but not to say that a dealership wouldn't mess something up. They mess things up, too, right? I mean, cars are really complex, and that's why it's very important that you find a mechanic your PCT, right? That's going to make sure they do the right job. And if they do screw something up, that they're going to take responsibility for it. And these chains usually don't as, and I, in my book, there's a section that talks about the pros and cons, right? Dealerships, often you can get to higher ups to talk about, Hey, fix this. I'm going to give you a bad rating and they'll listen. Mom and pop shops, that's their bread and butter. So they're going to want you to come back as customers. They're going to try to help you pinpoint the problem. It's a little bit difficult if you have to take the car back and you go to some of these change shops, you may not get the help that you need. In uh, so in Tatiana's story, mm-hmm. um, and by the way, Tatiana's our producer. It's so nice to hear her on the air. Oh, she does a great job for Hi us. Hi. Actually, our sound engineer, Patty's our producer. Oh, we'll talk more after that. <laughs> if you need some more advice, I'll tell you what to do. Thank um, you, I appreciate it. But one of the key things in her story. Now, mm-hmm. for our listeners out there, they mm-hmm. also don't realize that Tatiana is a young, very beautiful mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. Um, do men experience the same thing when they go into the mechanic and get, you know, kind of empty answers and the, you know, the um, blow off uh, to I, the same degree I, that women do? I think, uh, I think men do. Um, you know, a lot of times when mechanics, I don't necessarily think they're taking advantage of people on purpose. I just think they don't know themselves. Um, they're just not good enough themselves. You ha- Just like Doctors are created, not all doctors are created equal. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with mechanics. And so they're going to tell men this stuff and they're going to use these technical terms and men are going to be like, yeah, because they're always <laughs> fake it. Men are known to fake it till you yeah. make it. They're going to act like they know what they're talking about, but really they don't. Women, we don't actually act like we think we know what we're talking about. We're kind of like, what? We do the opposite. Yeah, actually. we're like, uh, right. And we fall into the trap where if you're more confident and you bring that sense of, yeah, I know what I'm talking about, they're going to be less likely to say something. They're going to think twice about saying something about price or t- if you do really know what they're talking about, they're going to be more careful with you. And also it sounds like it's in part a communication issue. It is. At, yes. Just like the doctors need bedside manner, mechanics may not be thinking about how to communicate with us. And in turn, there's the very important question of how we learn mm. to speak their language and yes. communicate with them. Yes. Which we're going to talk about more when we come back. Okay. So um, if, if for any of you who are sharing Tatiana's pain and you'd like to get some advice from the incredibly um, brilliant and astute listener here in the studio, Patrice Banks. We'd love to have you call in. Our phones are open at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So call with your car questions, your entrepreneurial 
entrepreneurial questions. Um, and this is Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, um, and we'll be back after the break. In the meantime, give Patty an email at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Follow us um, at Laura Zarrow and at BizRadio111, and we'll be back soon. Thanks so much. You're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Laura Zarrow. Welcome back to Women at Work and our weekly conversation about how we can get more women to join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics, and today we're talking to Patrice Banks, founder of Girls Auto Clinic, Sheikhanic, and author of the Girls Auto Clinic Glove Box Guide. I can't tell you how much I recommend this book. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. Patrice, welcome back. Thank you. Um, I share um, that identity that many women have mm-hmm. out there that Patrice has recovered from <laughs> as an auto airhead. I still have some habits that die hard, <laughs> some auto airhead habits. <laughs> but Not of complete recovery yet. <laughs> actually, thanks to your book, one of the things that I find so amazing, and we joke that it's not unlike our bodies ourselves, but it is you take these things that I have always found to be honest, unappealing, icky, intimidating, um, and made it so accessible, yeah. easy to understand. How did you learn to translate these kinds of concepts into language mm-hmm. that I could wrap my head around? Yeah. Um, that's interesting when people just ask me about how I got to this point from where I was growing up. We didn't even have a car growing up, you know, and to, how are you this person teaching women about cars? Yeah, it's a And I tell people I, I've, I've been preparing my whole life for this. You know, uh, when I was at DuPont, um, I never tell. I never felt smart as an engineer. I'm around a bunch of older white males that had been 20 years experience and went to the best schools, and I never felt really good as an engineer. But I wanted to make my contribution and make sure that I, I was as playing a part in the team. And um, but I also was very authentic at work, and I made sure that if I was going to do work, I wanted to do it my way that I felt comfortable with, and so. I used to, I had changed the way that we did reports in engineering. I started doing reports in PowerPoint instead of Word documents when I would report on my findings for failure analysis. And I would put pictures up everywhere. And I would barely put any words to the report. It would be a a story saying what happened. And I would go in front of all the managers and say, instead of putting up all these like charts and Excel spreadsheets that they didn't understand of data, I'd say, listen, this is what's going on. This is what happened. I would always break it down to say, here's what you need to know and here's why it's important. And they loved it. And they were always trying to get me in front of engineers to give presentations then. I was the head of a conference for 300 engineers once, and I was like 25. Because they're like, Patrice, you're an engineer who can talk. Yes. <laughs> right? That, can, that other people who aren't engineers get it. They enjoy listening to you. Um, you're attractive, right? We want to put you in front of people because they pay attention and you're not boring. You're not your typical engineer. So it actually was an advantage to me to be really authentic in myself and say, I'm not going to be like all of you and just present a bunch of charts and data because that's what engineers do I'm going to say because I don't understand it in that way I'm not interested in learning it in that way I'm trying to break it down for myself okay what does this mean 
I'm, I'm looking at all the data thinking, all right, so what does this mean? And you've done How it. How can I use this? With right. an, like, like you did there, with mm-hmm. images, with clear yes. statements, and you yes. tell a story. So we'll, exactly. we have a caller, Joe from New Jersey. Will you help us translate his mm-hmm. question? Okay. Joe, thanks so much for listening to Women at Work. Hi, Joe. Well, thanks so much for having the show. <laughs> and, uh, a wonderful show. And I don't know where to begin, but I want to thank uh, Patrice for uh, giving me the answer for the engine light. I live in Jersey, and I would not pass the exam <laughs> if I did not get that cleared by my mechanic. So without a panic, I understand what it is now. Mm-hmm. So the question I have is um, not just from the 2% that are less than 2% are mechanics women and less than 7% sell. Uh, it's only natural for people to say, what did they know about a car? Right. Well, the example here, Patrice has sort of broke that ceiling. Um, she said something about the... Uh, Wait, uh, how does she handle the, you know, the, the brunt work, the mm-hmm. brunt, you know, because we think of the oil change and mm-hmm. the transmission. How much of it now? Because when I go to my mechanic, um, I see they, you know, they, they hook in this, they, they plug in the diagnostic and within an hour, the parts are there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's any, there's not as much grunt work, but is there as much anymore as it's, say, prior, maybe 20 years ago? And will that make it easier for you know, I would mm-hmm. say more women to get in it because that grunt thing is not there as much. Uh, the um, grunt is still there. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And there's diagnostics. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, mm-hmm. I guess if you look at them mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a consumer, mm-hmm. they are beneficial. Yeah. I, only isolate the problem, I guess. Right. Well, the grunt hasn't gone away, just the electronic stuff has come in. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> okay. There's still a lot of grunt work to do, um, but they make it. Um, Oh, they don't make it really that easier. They're actually harder to work on cars now because there's so many parts that they pack in there sometimes um, that is harder to work on cars. They used to have these, what they call trade, trade mechanics. You could work on your car yourself and do your oil and your spark plugs. You need special all types of special tools and equipment now that are going to help you. So as cars get more complex, they get harder to work on. And there is more brain thinking, but there's still some things that are grunt work. And it's really grunt work because uh, it's rusted on they've just been parts that have been stuck together for so long so we we've got all females in my shop and we get torches out and breaker bars we'll we'll get it off (laughs) we're hanging off the bar you know trying to get um, bust nuts loose and things there's still yeah a lot of grunt work to it which some people really love I don't like the grunt work stuff I like using my brain to do diagnostic and then say okay now you spend four hours removing (laughs) you know removing this wheel bearing and and things like that Um, so I wouldn't say that it's gone away um, I don't think it's going any away anytime soon. Joe, thanks so much mm-hmm. for calling. I really appreciate you. your listening and, mm-hmm. and reaching out to share and ask. Um, if anybody else would like to ask a question, join the conversation, you can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You can follow us on Twitter at BizRadio111. You can follow me at Laura Zarrow um, or email Patty here at BusinessRadio at SiriusXM.com. You know, so, that was a really good question for Joe because it's one of the issues that we're having in the automotive industry and one of the reasons I want to hire women is because 
they do still have that grunt work part of a mechanic that people like, but they're, it's getting more complex and it's getting more electronic and where you have to think like an engineer and problem solve. Um, and a lot of people aren't joining the mechanics and technicians because of that. And there's a ah. gap. We have this big gap where we need people that know how to work on cars and we're not finding it. And I think women can fill those gaps if we're letting women know this is a job that you can get paid well in and you can make good money. And it's something that you're capable of doing. You don't have to be a super strong man to be a mechanic. Okay. So this brings up one of the questions mm-hmm. I really wanted to ask, which is um, if we want to see more women mm-hmm. working as auto mechanics mm-hmm. – and building businesses. Mm-hmm. We need to create a pipeline. Yeah. How does that pipeline get built? What's the path to getting there? Mm-hmm. And how are you finding mechanics? <laughs> you know, how how am I finding mechanics is interesting. People get that question all the time. You have I have five females. Where did you find these women? And that, you remember I said I couldn't find a female mechanic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went back to school to learn. And I'm telling people I'm going to start a shop with female mechanics and I can't find a female mechanic. And I just knew that their women were capable of doing this, especially when I got back into it. And I started getting out there and just with my message and doing workshops and telling people what I wanted to do. I didn't have to find them. They found me. Um, none of them were working on cars at the time. They were all had worked on cars, had faced discrimination, had been fired or laid off for whatever reason. Usually that's um, typical for women. And just were tired of of not having opportunities and not being able to do something they really loved and fit in. And they're incredible. They're rocking it right now. I'm like, who passed up on this? <laughs> so, you know, one of the issues that we have is is we do have women that are interested in cars. We have a lot of girls that are interested in cars. And very young, we talk them out of it. Just like Peach. Even just younger like than STEM. Peach. Yeah. Yes. It, and it's even worse for mechanics because it's a dirty job. Right. Right. You're not supposed to get dirty. You're a girl. You want to stay pretty. And we talk that we say that to girls in general, not just for mechanics, but any job. So mm-hmm. it just tends for us to not go into the dirtier blue collar jobs because we're not supposed to get dirty and we want to be pretty. Um, and you're going to get dirty as a mechanic and I'm going to get bruised and busted up and right get scratches and scars and everything. But I love my war scars. You know, my boots get dirty and I love it, though. I've always was a kid to love get dirty. I was the opposite in that way. And so we're, it's just at a very young age, we're telling girls not to do that. And we're also telling girls, girls don't know how to drive. We drive too slow. I was on a radio show yesterday where I got this girl came on and she told me that she's a really aggressive driver. And she, you know, she weaves in out of traffic and everyone tells her she needs to drive better. And she was asking me like what I, what car I would suggest for her. And I know you're probably just going to tell me to drive better. I was like, no, I'm going to tell you to get a better car with a V6 <laughs> engine, right? You sound like someone who would love to race and really be into cars. And instead people are discouraging and saying, you need to slow down and you need to drive better. Instead of saying, hey, she likes how a car works. She's not afraid to be a little bit aggressive here. Um, you know, so it's kind of how we talk to girls about cars. Mm-hmm. It's changing the relationship and it, with it, with our cars and how we see it. Why do guys so into their cars and girls aren't? We can talk to them about this stuff very young. And when we see a girl who's interested like that and maybe in the way she drives or interested in working on cars, not discouraging her because she's pretty right. or because, you know, she likes to do her nails or because she's too small or petite like Peach saying, yes, this would be perfect for you. You would, We need more women like you to get in this and we need to create opportunities. And it's the same pattern that affects a whole lot of other industries mm-hmm. and endeavors. It is. Um, that if girls in early childhood mm-hmm. remain as interested in boys and mm-hmm. things mechanical, mm-hmm. three-dimensional, mm-hmm. Um, 
And then as they enter adolescence and start to get a whole series of social cues, Mm -hmm. it's when girls start to turn off because the messaging turns Mm -hmm. them off and the identification turns them off. And whether it's about becoming an auto mechanic Mm -hmm. or an engineer or a sculptor Mm -hmm. um, or a welder, there are all these different fields and professions that can be exciting, gratifying, Mm -hmm. lucrative. And if we don't, so that's the early stage Mm -hmm. of the pipeline. Right. So if we have women who they haven't been turned off, mm-hmm. they're ready yes. to still be mm-hmm. petite mm-hmm. and cute and mm-hmm. pretty, but get their hands dirty yeah. and get under the hood yeah. and, and fix things. Mm-hmm. Um, if women want to start working as mechanics, mm-hmm. how do they find you? So this is where the, I can't this imagine is you're where ready the to issue hire is. Thousands. Right, exactly. <laughs> so this is where the issue lies with just anything, and and whether it's male dominated, is you have a bunch of women that join it, and then they get, and they're like, how do I get in it, and how do I find a safe space? Because most of them will leave, and so what a lot of girls do, and they come out of school and they're mechanics, and then they go and they work, and they're usually the only girl, and they don't fit in, right? If they don't fit in, they're out. Once they get pregnant, you know, or once they find a boyfriend, they'll go into being more of an office type person. Um, they don't want to get dirty or they think it's too backbreaking or things like that. Um, and so I think it's important that, well, how do people find me is right now, I'm, I, there's not much I can take on. I just have this one shop in me, but I will be expanding and I will be looking for women to help me educate other women by doing workshops, writing blogs, doing videos, um, opening rep- repair shops, right? Working as mechanics. I do want to start expanding across the country, but what we can all do for women now, and I even think about this in engineering because I get this question, why did you leave engineering? Why are women leaving engineering? And it's not because we're having kids and getting married, right? It's because they're, there isn't these, and I hate to use this cliche, but like safe spaces. No, for it's women, not a cliche. Right? And it, I, in an like, era of sexual yeah, harassment, yeah. finally being discussed openly. Yeah, but it's not even about sexual harassment either or harassment. It's more like too, where women are free to just be themselves and not have to think about what am I wearing? What do I look like? What can I say and not say? Um, is somebody going to be standing mm-hmm. over me thinking that I'm not doing a good enough job? And it's incredible how my girls work together at the shop and what they're able able to do when they don't have that over them or have to think about that every day. They can just be themselves and just be women and be mechanics, right? Work on cars and help and help others, which is really what they want to do. And so I think if we had firms that were hired only mm-hmm. engineer or not only, but mostly engineers that were women or that were laws in law, we would retain people more. Well, it's interesting. We retain women more in these fields. We know that whether it's through what we've learned from the McKinsey and LinkedIn report, the Working Mother Research Institute, Mm -hmm. the Good Work at Accenture, that Mm -hmm. corporations are learning that in order to keep women on the pipeline to leadership, Mm -hmm. they've got to make an environment where they can be themselves, where underrepresented women, women of color, Mm -hmm. can be themselves, can bring their own identities, their Mm -hmm. cultures, and feel safe. Nobody wants to be constrained, and nobody wants to be the only one either. Like. So I say, if you don't fit in, you're out. And it's really hard to fit in in places that nobody looks like you or talks like you mm-hmm. and you where you don't feel confident. And when you're able to be in a space like that, like who's to say what girls are capable, girls and women are capable of doing? And I'm, I'm one of them, right? Because I couldn't find a female mechanic. Now I have five and they're rocking it. We've award winning five yeah. stars. Philadelphia Magazine, which is yeah, you know, hard to please. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of competition here. You won the 2017 award yeah absolutely i mean and and these girls it's not just about oh we're gonna a a fad we're gonna hire women like these girls are amazing this is what they do yes 
they're rocking it and they know what they're doing. They're confident. And none of them felt this way at their other jobs. They're so grateful to have this experience. And they're like, and I'm getting paid to do this. They love it. And so now they're in an environment where they enjoy coming to work. They can be themselves. Look at what they are creating and doing to help others. It's it's inspiring to me. I'm inspired by seeing them work. Never mind how inspired we are. <laughs> by the way, this is Women at Work on Business Radio on Sirius XM 111. Our phones are open at one 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. Car questions, business questions, life questions. We're taking mm-hmm. them all. I'm here with Patrice Banks, the author of Girls Auto Clinic Glove Box Guide. Um, once again, that's one 844 Wharton, 844-942-7866. And Patrice, yeah. we have an email from our devoted listener, Julie from <laughs> Cinnaminson. Um, and Julie says, thanks for the show. She's a regular listener. We love you, Julie. Um, her air conditioner Hi, unit is sometimes cold. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. I know it's getting cold, so it's not such a big deal. But one, will that affect the heating system at all? Mm-hmm. And two, will a charge of the unit help or mm-hmm. does she need a new unit? Okay. The first question, no, they are two separate systems. And actually, your heat runs off of the engine. It essentially just takes air and blows it past your engine, which is really hot, and pushes it into your inside of your car. So the heat doesn't use any gas, and um, you're good to go there if, you, if your heat is working. The reason that sometimes you have... Um, AC and sometimes you don't has nothing to do with the heat. It has to do with your Freon um, and the AC system, which does use gas and it's probably low. Um, your Freon, Freon is low, low and you do need a charge. My suggestion is to go to a mechanic and I would wait till next year <laughs> when it starts to get warm again because um, while a charge is not expensive, any AC repairs are going to be very expensive. Now, what does this mean, get a charge in order so to you're make going your to just add, work? you're just going to charge it up or add more Freon to the system. Okay, so, so you're not, it's not a charge like you're plugging something no, in. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. so, so you, I would take it to a mechanic, check check to see how much Freon is in there. If you do need a charge, they can check the pressures to see if it does. They're going to add some more Freon in there for you and possibly they'll put some dye to see if you have a leak. And then you use the AC. If it works fine, you're good. If it comes back where it's on and off intermittent where it doesn't work, bring it back. They'll be able to see if there is a leak and where it is. Now, if there is a leak, you may need to replace something, which is going to be very expensive with AC repairs. But don't worry about it till next year. Maybe you take it to a mechanic just to see what it is and prepare if it's something that needs to be replaced next year. Because you don't think about it until it's really hot in July and then... Then you're going to start contemplating spending a thousand dollars to get your AC right. fixed. And when you're in the middle of like hot flashing yeah. and it's yeah. hot out, and you're going to want your air yeah. conditioning, you're to not work. thinking about it in November. You're like, no, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. So going back prepared. to something we were talking about with Tatiana, since mm-hmm. Julie clearly needs to go and get this taken care of, mm-hmm. probably April would be a nice time to do it. Uh, yeah, April or May. Mm-hmm. Should she go to? Um, a franchise? Mm-hmm. Should she go to her dealer? Mm-hmm. Should she just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo and pick a mechanic mm-hmm. out of the mm-hmm. phone book? Mm-hmm. Um, I would, it depends on how old her car is. If her car is less than five years old, I would go to her dealer. Um, if it's older, over 100,000 miles, I would find a, her PCT. And how do you go about finding <clears throat> a PCT? So there's several ways to find a PCT. Your personal care, care technician. technician. Um, which I mentioned in the book. But one of the things for sure is you want to ask another woman. Not another man, but another woman, because men and women's experiences are different. Say, do you have a mechanic that you trust and that you know? And women will give you one. If they have one, they're going to tell you. Um, But there's ways that you can find one for you. I wouldn't always take online reviews unless there's a lot of them Mm because they can be really subjective. And they Um, can also be created by the vendor. Yes, yes. So... um, 
I would ask around women first and then look for, um, I wouldn't eeny, meeny, miny, mo, but just ask for recommendations and then take the list that I mentioned that's going to help you find a PCT. Do they talk to you, right? Do they make you feel comfortable? Are they respectful? Just looking you in your eyes and talking to you is a big deal with mechanics. Some of them struggle to do that. And that's can just going to make you feel comfortable. See how they interact with their other employees at mom and pop shops if they treat them with kindness, right? And if they if they seem kind of, you'll go in the places where they're talking to people crazy. And yeah. like, if this is how you treat your employees, I can imagine how you talk to your customers. Um, you know, um, see how they take them first to go into for a small job. See if they're upselling you, if they explain things very well, if they talk to you, if they take you out to the shop and they, they should make sure that you feel comfortable with your decision. So anything that they do that you should make sure that they explain it to you so you feel good. If you don't get out of there, if they don't understand how to explain it to you, they don't know what they're doing. And that's really going to help you is finding someone that can explain it to you until you understand it. It's not you that doesn't understand how to work on cars. It's the person who doesn't know how to explain it to you till you get it. Because this isn't rocket science. And I can talk to women and say, hey, this is what's going on with your car and here's what you need to know. And if someone can't do that for you, don't have them work right, on your and car. that's that critical issue that we were talking about before mm-hmm. of communication. Yes, and like I didn't know what a charge was, mm-hmm. and it needs to be a place where it's safe to say what's, what's a, a charge? charge, and not feel like I'm going to say why you don't know what a charge is. Right. Like this is why women shouldn't drive, right? right. This is, can you can I talk to your husband? <laughs> right, and to remember, you're not wasting somebody's time by asking those questions. You're, you're not out of line, out of your hard-earned money. You're entitled. Yes, and this is this is a service business. They should be making sure they're educating you so you feel comfortable with your choice, and if they don't get out if they can't do that yeah and that's going to be a lot of your you know your telltale signs is just how comfortable they you feel with talking with them asking them questions and them explaining it to you till until you get it it's good advice whenever you have to choose a mm-hmm. professional that works mm-hmm. on something important to you exactly your house your body your <laughs> exactly, car exactly. same thing so you mentioned before i was mm-hmm. going to ask this is such a fabulous idea okay thank you um the world <laughs> needs more of these girls auto clinics and y- 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 you hinted that um you may be expanding yeah how do you i make- will be expanding okay so talk to me about how as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. you're making that decision mm-hmm. and what your next steps are <laughs> how'd you know it was time to do that um it, it I, at this point, my brand, the Girls Auto Clinic and She Canic, are so far ahead of me. Like, I can't not expand because women around the country are like, when are you coming and get here now? Take all of my money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. We need you. And just the urge and the need is making me say, I have to do this. Um, and so I've, I'm always thinking in terms of what do I do next? How do I provide value? I tell people, this is not an automotive company. I'm a female empowerment company. I'm here for women. So the next steps that I make are going to be ways that I can reach more women with this information. I can provide them um, services. I can hire women to be in this industry to help and serve and educate other women. And so what we'll be doing besides the repair shops, which I don't, we won't, we're still not even in year one. I mean, we've just finished month 11, month 10, actually. So you don't even have your annual returns no, yet. No, it's so right? This is I know. Um, but it is working on getting, you know, st- standardizing what our girls auto clinic way and how we run these shops in terms of operations so we can duplicate this model. Um, but also a lot of the content we have, this book and uh, my blogs and, you know, the workshops and how we can get that out to as many women drivers as we can with, um, you know, some digital series and more content marketing um, and and 
growing our Shecanic market to get in front of women so they can learn about their cars, they can be confident with the choices that they make with their car, and they can start changing their relationships so they get excited about automotive technology and may want to join. Okay, so a couple of things. Uh-huh. Becky wrote in from North, North Jersey, loves the show. Thanks, Becky. Um, and she wants to c- pursue a career like yours. And as we were talking before, that um, community college can be a great place to start to get formal training. Absolutely. Um, where's your <clears throat> shop located, and how could she get involved in one of your clinics? So my shop is located in Upper Darby, which is just outside of West Philly. Um, it's a Westchester Pike and State Road. And I get a lot of these questions from girls across the country who are young and ambitious. They want to work on cars. Or, and and it's not just like, okay, let's jump in. What uh, You know, one of the things that I would say if she's just getting into this, like I like I did, work for offer to work for free at a place. Intern. Yeah, inter- if you don't have a degree. If you do already have a degree, find a place that you can work that you're comfortable with. Um, say that, you know, I'm really into cars. I want to help educate women. Ask, email me and say, hey, we want to have a workshop. I want to I want to throw a workshop up here at my shop or at the AutoZone I work at. Um, I'm looking to start really expanding my workshops and hire other shecanics or, mechan- you know, female technicians in other locations and train them to do a girls auto clinic workshop and host them where they are in North Jersey or, you know, in Texas or in Chicago or wherever. So I'm going to be looking to do that. And so she's interested in hosting one where she's at or where she's working that would be great okay so what so it's interesting because there's two opportunities there. So it's interesting to hear that the clinics mm-hmm. are a way for you to start expanding into other regions mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's kind of low overhead mm-hmm. and you can move in and start to build a community mm-hmm. yeah um and it's also people who are interested in hosting the clinic should reach out how should they find you uh info at girlsautoclinic.com please email me. Yes. I, I'm getting a lot of people trying to contact me. We are really, really popular and people will call the shop to look for me and it sometimes really um, frustrates my technicians and service advisor because that number is for appointments only and people are, can I speak to Patrice? Can you leave a message? And they're like, would you like to set up an appointment? Okay. So for people, especially those who are local here in yes. Philadelphia, like some of the people in the studio mm-hmm. today, yes. you might like to come to the clinic and get her nails done while we're there. You can call 484-461-4693. That's the number to reach to set up an appointment for your car or to get your nails done. What's if the waiting If you want to reach... Um, it, you can get in the next day. Sometimes that day. Sometimes the next, it just really depends. We really fill up towards the end of the week, the beginning of the week. Um, you might be able to get in that day for an oil change. If it's something more major, you'll need two or three days in advance, possibly to get on the schedule. Um, but if you want to reach Patrice Banks or ask me about speaking or um, doing workshops, it's info at girlsautoclinic.com. Patrice, I, I just have loved having you here today. And thank you for also directing our listeners so mm-hmm. that we know where to find you. Mm-hmm. Your Twitter handle is? At Girls Auto Clinic. And hashtag she can it. Yes. Um, thank you all so much for joining us today. If you have a question about anything you heard on today's show, you can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at businessradio111 and me at Laura Zarrow. You can find our past shows on SoundCloud, backslash women at work, and on iTunes under Wharton Business Radio Highlights. Special guest to my inspiring guest. Um, special thanks to my inspiring guest, Patrice Banks. I'd also like to thank our producer, Patty Hall, our sound engineer, Tatiana Zamis. I'm Laura Zarrow, and you've been listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. Thanks. Love yourself. Love yourself.
got herself. Ah, we just got 